0: It's been 7 hours and 15 days. Bore dog, Earthlets. My name is Connor, to our friend Fox. The 215th episode of Space Spinner 2000 podcast. Where two Americans are to make sense. The UK zone galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February 1990. prog 664 to 667. This time, we reach the Prog of the Beast. (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, directing traffic a bit as slain and Chopper and Rogue Trooper Zippy Couriers and Zenith return. Beyond Zero does both. And Bix Barton and Judge Kraken's evaluation continue. Man, real, real
1: rummer. That whole fix Bartley. <laughs> yeah, pip-pip cheerio and so forth. What, watch um, uh, tea time crumpets, etc. Yeah, definitely
0: rugby, things of an uh, upper-class nature, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you want to read along, you should find the comics we're covering today. In Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 14, Chopper Surf's Up, 2008 AD Extreme Edition 5, Slaying the Horned Gods, Zenith Phase 3, and The Judge Dread Magazine Issues 292 and 340. Yeah. So, let's get our saddest story Ugh. out of the way first, Fox. Oh, get man. dramatic. Open it up. Thrill one chopper. Script about John Wagner, art about Colin McNeil, learning robot Bambos
1: Georgiou. Do you know what's worse than, like, a chatty cab driver? A chatty Ooh. robot cab driver.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's been programmed to be that <sighs> way. He has no excuse. Subnoxious. Super... Super Surf 7 is running and it's a massive bloodbath. Chopper's been shot to pieces and it looks like uh, racer Paolo Negri might be poised to win the whole thing just sort of by attrition basically. As we see uh, Chopper's girlfriend Charlene and uh, her friend Jug McKenzie's girlfriend Dora riding in a robo-taxi, they are not interested in his
1: robo-chit-chat, as you mentioned. and <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the, the stuff that's going on here, oh, it's so much better than the Saturday night executions and shit. I'm like, God, fucking, this West Coast city a, sucks. Yeah, there's a there's a dark underside to Mega City 2 that we aren't really
0: getting, to we're only sort of getting bits and pieces of yeah, here, man. you know? Um Negri makes his move from the porcupine alley And the machine guns open fire And just take him out Ugh.
1: Chopper's gotten back up But Negri's reduced to a red mist Man that, that art though Oh my god I Just mean, like the all whole of his the, neck yeah. being severed oh, Like nearly Ugh. Yeah Colin McNeil's art is, is, is amazing here I mean we talked
0: about this last episode mm. But his ability to show the brutality Of these murders in the course of this story Is um it's really amazing, and really, while it makes the story very exciting, it definitely also, like you know, is intentionally
1: turning your turning t- turning your stomach as you read it as well. I think, I, I, in your words, I don't think this is subtext, man. I think this is just text. No, <laughs> yeah, that,
0: like the critic the criticism of violence is very much on the surface here oh, yeah. in uh in a in a in Song of the Surfer, um. The sports announcers pause to do some human interest style stories Mm. on the machine gunners. We learn one of them is wearing a live grenade as an earring, Spikes Harvey Rotten style. You know, shout out to Cursed Earth, the Cursed Earth and so forth. Oh yeah, baby. Meanwhile, in Porcupine Alley, Sonny Williams, impaled on a spike, is pulling himself free and making his move as the ladies in the cab rush to the finish line. So mysterious. So, listen, the mystery is going with a big hole in you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, really. Williams prepares to make his run, and but before the guns can fully open up, Chopper's there. He smacks one of the gunners with the bandolier of his Fuck. machine gun. like. Yeah.
1: Like he's a common goose controlled by a university <laughs> professor after a hemisphere spanning flood It's gonna i was if you weren't I was gonna jump on that immediately no no, no fear there uh he's shouting he's screaming
0: no more. He calls them all sick as he shoots the other machine gunner as well. hell yeah, but it's too late because William's already been hit once or twice, and of course he's just full of big spike holes God um. Chopper walks to the body of Williams. He was too late to save the young surfer. The rest of the competitors fly over the spike tunnel. And just screw all this. Like this is too much. Yeah. They try to convince Chopper to get medical attention, but he refuses because he's still in the race and he's got one last thing to do, one last promise to keep. Such so a hero. Totally. The cab speeds ahead as Stig and his assistant and a sports announcer all wait the arrival of Chopper. He's covered in blood, his left arm hanging useless, barely standing. And indeed, we do see him fall. He lies on his board, hovering in space. As he does, though, he's visited in a vision by his old friend Smokey, who sort of, you know, met in the beginning of the story. Smokey tells him to keep him going That he should be dead But the wind dreaming is driving him on He's gotta follow his song line to destiny And that will take him directly Into the sights of Stig
1: Goddamn!
0: He powers forward and from the street Charlene can see him He flies straight to Stig And, and just sort of hovers in front of him Reaches into his jumpsuit uh, Stig's assistant makes a reference to like them mooting him earlier I mean yeah he's reaching deep in there Definitely crotch side, uh, but instead he pulls out the grenade from that shooter that was wearing it as an earring. Oh
1: my god! Setup payoff explosion. It's amazing. Yeah, he pulls the pig, the pin, and drops
0: it right in Stig's lap, and he and his assistant are killed in a massive explosion that even blows off the foot of the sports ca- caster. Good uh, John Wagner uh, sports writing here. Where it's like oh. <laughs> Like, oh my God, Michael, it appears that Stig and his assistant have both been killed. And yes, my foot as well has been blown off.
1: <laughs> Can we get that on, uh, on, you know, slow mo playback? You see, right here is right where the, uh, you know, the toes are severed from the foot. It's, uh, Boom. you know, just a real good play there, John. <laughs> Shrapnel into the metatarsals.
0: We got ourselves a ball game. <laughs> the way is clear but darkness is closing around chopper he's free to the finish line and feels no pain but his mind just fills with shadows a low soft lament like the Uh. sighing of the wind across the radback sands he remembers his promise to charlene that he'd be back as charlene and herself and dora draw ever closer to him charlene's in hysterics now just before the finish line chopper falls to his knees on his board floating in space dying he wonders over and over again if he do it if he he wonders if he do it over again as he hears the wind song calling him back to the ancestors back to earth He says, I'm coming, Smokey, and falls off his board inches from the finish line. Uh Charlene stands underneath him as blood falls from his body, his outstretched hand, and onto her face. Inches from the finish line, we see Chopper in in the shadows of a few people as the camera pulls away into the distance. The end. So, oh man, that song of the surfer, buddy.
1: Pretty good, right? I like this story a lot. I mean, this is like, I like the whole story's been kind of new era. There's like a bunch of things that have been kind of pushing some boundaries lately, but like this, this super stood out, man. Like, it was horribly sad. Gave it some shit at the beginning with this sort of like, uh, you know, wind song business, but I'm glad they they kind of tied it back in. Yeah, I mean, I think the the wind song stuff at the beginning- yeah, definitely. But, but but I think the wind song stuff at the start,
0: while it is kind of, I don't know, c- kind of weird, it does sort of end up playing out here mm-hmm. at the end of just being a, a way to sort of have Chopper's dying visions sort of have a context and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting.
1: Man. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, you have no Chopper will return in XXY. Ah. ah
0: okay because i don't know if you've seen this in barney fox which by the way like we're right we're recording this right after a scare where barney went went 404 for a week or so never scare the, us like uh, that again 2000AD.org, the, uh, the Prague Archive, that's such an important part of many people's um reading of 2000AD. Like, you know, there's over 2,000 Pragues. This is impossible. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Keep, keep in your mind, like, you know, 2,000 Pragues, average of five thrills per, that's what, like, <laughs> d- like a 10,000 thrills? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> or stories? It's too many. But anyway, um, this is not the end for Chopper. Okay. Um, though i i i think it could be for sure like this would be a great place to end it i do too but
1: but yeah they
0: but it's not um you um chap will return later this year in the judge dread magazine okay and he'll be back in the progs in 1994. So okay. probably about a year from now or so. So, you know, if you want to think of him as dead for you, it's it's certainly very easy oh, to sure. do so for the I mean, record. I, I, I
1: don't really take a peek at the other kind of future facing stuff in Barney anyway. Usually yeah. I'm there to find something highly specific. So yeah, I I try, not to, checking- I try not to crush myself too early. For sure,
0: yeah. I I just know you took a gander at it when you did your episode, mm. and so I thought you might have seen it by accident or something like that. But yes, uh, yeah, Chopper will return. I you know, I think he's. I forget sort of the quality of those stories. I th- I, th- I think they're decent. They I I I know I, I know they've had some good art, but mm. this is definitely like a like a like I you know the ending is kind of the the it makes this ending more ambiguous than final Oh yeah, but i think sure. it's good either it's it's good either way like just that I pull mean, up from the
1: from the thing that, that that that's a great way to end a story for yeah, sure yeah absolutely and i feel like you know they've been just building him up as a character for so long um this is a really good good kind of way to just have him take a break for a little while if that's the case um, yeah it's so scorched. interesting that uh
0: that that wet john wagner and Alan grant broke up over um whether to kill chopper or not Ugh. and then <laughs> Like two years later, Wagner is writing the story where he where he he still kills Chopper anyway. Like why'd you why'd you guys fight if you were gonna end up doing it anyway? You know, boys will be boys, I guess. It's true. But speaking of surviving, Fox, ooh, perhaps with the help of some sort of magically enhanced bath. Let's go to thrill to Bix Barton.
1: You've got to get your job back, Big Spartan. Do that, Michael Caine. That's a horrible Michael Caine impression, but I do, I do like, I, I love Michael Caine impressions. He's only the bloody master of Roman mystery. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that actually my, that that weirdly activated my my Google search. Good. My uh, oh my gosh.
0: That's good, angry Michael Caine. You know, you've seen it before. Mm. Scripter about Peter Milligan, artner about Jim McCarthy, lettering wrote about Tom Frame. I should say before we start that um, friend of the show Morgan Spiceman over in the 2080 Megaverse Facebook what a, group. What a surname! Yeah, definitely. Told me. Uh, has informed me that Bix Barton's probably a reference to um radio thriller serial from the BBC, Dick Barton. Okay, special agent. That ran from 1946 to 1951. It's sort of like a uh, this guy's got an old timey name, and it's sort of an old
1: timey reference. Got it. So it's a was it like a investigator, or more of like an Avengers thing? I mean,
0: Avengers like the British
1: TV yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: maybe more like that. Like sort of early, early Cold War stuff. Mm. As my like. Probably starting Nazi hunting, ending Cold War stuff would be my guess. <laughs> Always a good time to have your have your show set. That's the timeline of secret agent stuff, you yeah, know? Man. Um so Big Spartan, master of the rum. Oh, sorry, more references to come later in this as we talk about this. Uh Bix Barton, master of the rum and uncanny, is headed to a small town in England, Mike uh middle sniding, where he's meeting someone dealing with an exceptionally uncanny difficulty. Uh he's all more, goopy and monster-ish. Yeah, more uncanny than a
1: sudden lack of interest in rugby, Fox. Ugh, I mean I some of these <laughs> flew real over my head, man. I'm like, I don't it's, it's, some, it's I've I watch some real... rugby sometimes, but mostly because other people are watching rugby. I learned ha- I
0: learned a fair amount about rugby from early in my uh video games career. I was a QA tester. On a uh, on an EA Sports Rugby title, Fox oh, like really? uh, EA Sports Rugby 08 or something like that. Huh. But it was the, the w- one of the few times that the rugby ge- that the international rugby games were, were were brought to the U.S. I I, uh, I attest. It. I, I I might be in the credits now. That I'm thinking about it, Ooh. but who knows? But learn some weird stuff about ru- learn some rules about rugby. <clears throat> Can't really explain it um, anyway. <laughs> like. You could punt. That's what I know. Um, Anyway, (laughs) um, Barton's keen to investigate all this because, of course, he needs to secure his government funding. He's to meet the man with the problem, a dude named Dan, who we've seen, of course, looking quite, as you say, quite monstrous, very goopy with way too many, like, both just generally eyes and even within
1: those eyes, too many irises and pupils and stuff. You got to decide, man. It's either the weird horizontal one. The circular one or the vertical one. You just gotta choose. Nah nah
0: nah. Variety's a spice of eye. Well. Wow. Spice of life I was trying to say. Oof. Whatever. Yeah. But by, by the sold mail, not the old <laughs> mail, but the mail that was sold off. Because it was uh, sold. Big, Dick, yeah. Dick's explaining all this to his personal assistant Michael Kane, and his fancy ho- when his fancy hover car is run off the road by Green Rainbow Green Rainbow Hygienic Services. Calls them soccer supporters as a strange mechanical dealie comes out of the truck and two voices talk on a view screen. It's the old Tom Tully special. Oh, God. Meanwhile, <laughs> in the town, and apparently it's so old that it's mentioned in the
1: Doomsday Book, but not flatteringly. Uh, yeah, it's something about uh, it's dirty Saxons, old French, something, something. Yeah. I do not understand this. Doomsday book was this um census of England that was done
0: by William the Conqueror in like ten sixty-six. Oh, there's some that I, I got it. Humor. And so it's just kind of saying, like, this town is old, but if you look up the description of it in a really old source, it also says this town is bad. Uh, so whatever. Yeah no. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Bix and Mike are confronted by a bunch of local tufts with, like, inf- uh, f- uh, butterfly nets. They're after the monster to get a prize from the local paper. And apparently someone's husband, Dan, was also eaten by a monster, which is an interesting coincidence. Uh, what
1: I love is that they they have bug-catching nets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this oh, is yeah. their plan. <laughs> That's how you catch things. Fair. Suddenly the real monsters appear, journalists looking for a scoop a Ugh. lie of journalists uh, if yeah you no will. i i loved that they uh, the that the collection phrase is lie that's pretty good mm-hmm. some someone was trying to take a real jab at something here i feel like listen well, 1990 it's a good time for it. those te- those uh, paparazzos and so forth mm. uh- Bix
0: drives on when he hears a voice from his back seat—an extremely ugly man who's been mistaken for the monster several times by locals. He bores Bix with tales of his ugliness
1: and directs him to the soul mail. I also um, call him ugly. He's really into the fact that he's ugly, like he embraces it, which is, you know, live your truth. Yeah, I mean, a lesson that
0: Otto Sump himself eventually learned, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um it seems Dan's not there at the sold mill though. Instead he's in the clutches of Barton's old foe, the horn headed Steve Ditto, the astral projected man.
1: Uh, but what didn't they he get him in the train by doing a flex with his back muscles and then he fell off the, the train? How could he oh. have survived?
0: Oh jeez. Bix Barton being real incompetent when it comes to bad guys uh fighting,
1: I would not have guessed from the way he carries himself, <laughs> Fucks. He pogo sticks on, on his cane. It's like this guy's a this guy's a dweeb. I like him. He's like you know, I mean he's he's fine, I guess, but like, you know,
0: quite a dude. Quite a dude. <laughs> I should say that I've, I've confirmed that uh, Steve Ditto is certainly a reference to Steve Ditko, uh, your uh, comic book artist and so forth, and especially the astral projected mm. man is likely a reference to his comic shade, The Changing Man. Ah, okay. And then, of course, astral projection, as Conrad will tell you, a reference just to the fact that he's a co-creator of Doctor Strange, who's Will Astral Project at the top, at the drop of a hat. Dude oh, yeah. hates being in his body, loves being... <laughs> in that astral zone. Um, and yeah, he's hooked Dan up to some sort of a Ludovico technique, fake stretcher kind of thing. And planning to settle Bix's hash by way of a bomb near the paper bag that Dan was wearing on his head. That's like a clue. It's real convoluted. Yeah. Bix goes to check the bag because like when Dan called Bix Barton, he said, meet me at the soul min- at the soul mill. I'll be wearing a paper bag on my head. Um, But Bix goes to check the bag when the ugly guy announcing himself as a member of Upla, the ugly person's liberation army, which contains a burn on politician Cecil Parkinson, which I don't know. Uh, I looked him up. It's not like that ugly, I guess, but fair enough. And he pulls a gun and goes to open the bag himself.
1: And, um, you know, thus he's the one that gets killed by the bomb that was planted there, as you do. Man, I, um, let's introduce a character for a convoluted plot element so that they take the hit. I mean, it's like they they decided to to have that bomb <laughs> and to make that character to get blown up by the bomb. Yeah, well I mean this feels on
0: this does feel very movie serial like mm-hmm. I guess we just sort of introduce someone for an episode or two and then sort of move on I guess. Like a lot of this feels very
1: old-timey which I feel like is what like um, uh, Milligan's going for with Nick Spark. Oh yeah, and it does not waste time. I mean it does waste time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I you know, it it, it goes back and forth. Um yeah. Big
0: Spartan realizes that the explosion was meant for him and it's truly getting rummer and rummer as we go. He leaps back to his car and goes to talk to Dan's wife. He's on the way. He's almost run over again by the green rainbow truck. It's being driven by those dang dittos. Ah, but naturally, so uh, Bix and Mike um, instead share Department of the Environment jokes, which I guess is a British thing. No, Let's all keep right. going. Inside Dan's house It seems his wife Jenny Has signed an exclusivity agreement With the Daily Excess But a quick Michael Caning Is enough to see that (laughs) bounder off
1: So great Just smack him in the
0: gob baby Yeah, definitely. She explains that some pervert monster must have (laughs) ate Dan and then put on his pajamas. But Barton explains that probably it
1: was her husband that turned into a monster. Feels like a lot of work for that monster to then put on the pajamas. I mean, that is pretty weird if you do that, Fox. <laughs> I guess, meanwhile, I mean, that then that constitutes his pervert, I guess. Like, that's pretty close, I suppose. Feels, yeah. Listen, I mean, it feels accurate if that's the actual story. Uh,
0: <laughs> meanwhile, the dittos are messing with some train tracks as Bix is enjoying some lovely chocolate bonbons. Oh, bon I love this setup. It's so good. <laughs> And looks up just in time to
1: see that those train tracks have directed the 345 from Paddington directly at the house. He doesn't seem too worried about it, which I find like all the more hilarious about this. I'm guessing the face on the train is Margaret Thatcher. Yep, yep, yep. Listen, Fox, I had,
0: a cr- I had a pretty big discussion with people on the internet about whether English trains have faces on them <laughs> and if Tomic the Take Engine is oh real. Oh, my I, God.
1: I can't tell if they're lying to me or not. So I don't want to talk about this because it's freaking me out. the this question reality. just... I mean, it's it's either a Thomas the Tank Engine reference, or you're right. They're all sentient trains.
0: Well, like, like even if even if the trains aren't sentient like is Thomas the Tank Engine, is that based on the fact that all English f- trains have faces? I and can. so they're like, what if we just take these faces and make them animate? Or is it just, oh. like, are we just putting Margaret Thatcher on there for a joke? I don't know the timeline of when Thomas the Tank Engine took place, but I want answers. And everybody's just gaslighting me
1: about it, Fox. I <laughs> don't appreciate it. I'm telling you, Man, this is just a again. It's a goddamn deep state agenda. Every time, every time, You're really messing with every, us. Every time it's Thatcher Fox. God damn it. Okay. Anyway,
0: <laughs> this train boils through the wall of the of of, of this house. <laughs> well, this I would Dixon. say that it Kool Aid guys its way through the house. I mean, I'm kind of making a reference to oh God, sports <laughs> reference, <laughs> so, making a reference. To the Purdue College football team, which is called the Boilermakers, and it's like a train. Oh, that's the thing. I do but not know. I don't. That. Yeah, don't worry about. It. I'm like, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I love um, it. Anyway, Bix thinks fast and turns Michael Kane into a sweet pogo
1: stick, leaving Jetty behind by accident. I mean, She's, by accident in heavy quotation marks. I feel like. Yeah, it's more like. Oh wait a minute. Maybe we should try to talk to
0: her instead of leaving her to die. Oh, She's she definitely bad, dies. Yeah, she's bad. Oh no, I think she's badly injured, but still alive. I don't know. But he still runs the uh runs the rumometer over her to figure out what's going on. She's only got a hint of secondary rumness on her, but a search of the house finds high rum levels in Dan's stuff between all of his bird watching equipment and this copy of Men's Only. Um, I'd say so he's strange. be with this uh, with this other magazine. I'd say he is a bit of an ornithologist. If you take my meaning, uh, that he likes to watch birds. Yeah, including like the bird, the the birds uh, that are like the uh, English slang
1: for ladies, buddy. Because it's a it's an adult magazine. I mean, I I looked it up and it's got something like it's very <laughs> like it seems
0: like the equivalent. Of like the fitness magazines that exist today, you know, where they yeah. might have some sort where like they might claim to have some sort of secondary purpose. I like, mean, you know. But in reality, it's much more like, ah, yes, look at these
1: attractive people, perhaps wearing less clothes than I than, mean, who that, than that, really, than really buys normally. clothing out of the Victoria's Secret catalog? It's fair. It's a fair point. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, not me, man. Come on. I, I, I buy stuff off Amazon and hope that it works out,
1: you know? Uh, like all of us, man. Five polo shirts, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Five, um, five pictures anyway. of polo shirts, please. <laughs>
0: exactly. So using the binocs, Bick sees that uh, he's able to see the baddie Steve Ditto, the astral projected man, just... r- slinking away
1: from the train
0: tracks. No suspense. <sighs> I
1: mean, uh, yeah, it's good that he <laughs> is an ornithologist and also has these binoculars. I mean, he watches birds, I guess. All of this yeah, makes fine. sense to me definitely so anyway didn't ditto die in
0: 1940 seems not let's move on a quick stop (laughs) with the bird man of middle sniding who's the king of the bird watchers lost his eye to a parakeet we learn that dan is a birder like to watch inside the secure facilities of green rainbow hygienic services Seems
1: real weird to, to like trespass in order to look at birds but that's fine
0: No, I feel like that's about right for bird watchers. They want to look at those birds, buddy. I I flirted with bird watching myself back when I lived in Maryland because I had like a balcony and I had bird feeders on there and like – birds would swim by. would I would I fly by I'd peep those birds man I can I can empathize you also <laughs> learn that bird watchers are a rugged and hardy breed like stamp collectors and comic book fans oh yes the trifecta of
1: people reading 2000 AD I mean that just feels podcast. like lip service to them having sold stamps for the longest time it's true these god dang Phlebotanists?
0: is that what they oh call them? oh my I god don't I,
1: there's not a real word for that and i will not accept that i get the word for stamp collector messed up
0: with the word for someone who draws blood fox <laughs> not cool
1: oh very different conrad
0: yeah oh no
1: yeah uh that's what i'm trying to say that doesn't sound that doesn't sound sanitary uh, philately is the uh, study of postage stamps with the ph fox never forget um (laughs) the f is what makes the difference the p the ph makes the difference fox it's like your pool (laughs) anyway it's got all these jokes Um,
0: so bix jumps the fence and walks the grounds finding a finding like scary mutated rabbits and then is attacked by a monstrous terror dog Kane's attempt to use a dog whistle fail, and all seems lost when suddenly several shots ring out. It's a hunter, and he's instantly fallen in love with a fair maiden I, Bix Barton. Just, Let
1: us kiss and be wed. This th- this is where like uh the trip starts to get a little bit fucking weird. Also <laughs> like, listen, I'm of a couple minds of this of this plot development, oh, Fox. I, I enjoy it. I, I'm just – I didn't expect it in the slightest, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. 100% unexpected. But like I'm not bringing out – I'm not trying to find an updated version of things being acceptable in the 90s because Bix Barton doesn't have like a gay panic response to this. Yeah. It was kind of – like he he just does a trickery response like yeah he, like I'm just saying that like the fact that he's like nah, you're like his response is more you're not my type yeah and less of and less of like an eww which I would expect
1: from a 1990 Well, he's a man from the I past suppose. right like he's been alive for a while so like you know respect to the dude but also yeah. this old man real, real weird real weird oh, yeah, old man know. Yeah, yeah. The objection is more this guy specifically
0: than mm-hmm. the concept of uh, meeting a huntsman and falling in love <laughs> um, in the midst of <laughs> I guess uh, you could do of, of, of complex activities. Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, the hunter goes for a kiss, but then begins waltzing instead. Even pulls forth some kind of wedding dress for Bix from his dirty pants. Whoa. I don't know. Um. Naturally, Bix puts an
1: end to this. If you wanna, if you want his love, you must prove it via a quest. And you gotta get with his friends. I mean, at a bare minimum. We're still years away from that. Fuck. <laughs> but it is British, so I feel topical. Oh yeah,
0: listen. That's gonna. I feel like there's gonna be a point where we're gonna get a lot of Spice Girls in the opening of this podcast. Oh, that's For gonna sure. be
1: fantastic. <laughs> um,
0: they make their way. Wi- um, yeah, so the quest is, of course, to help Bix and Michael sneak into Grand Greenbow hi- hygienic services. They make their way through the marshes and soon enter the base to the at tradesman, tradesman's entrance. Luckily, Kane's on the case as he's tossed uh, oh sorry blah blah, blah. yeah he. Uh, Bix goes go, goes to look around inside the base, but then um he's suddenly caught in a big cage by the evil Steve Ditto.
1: Oh no! Man, such a clutch uh evil guy move, you know. Love Good them dropping cages. cage. Yeah.
0: Luckily, Michael Kane is on the case as he's tossed by Bix at Ditto and sort of knocks him away, lo- allowing him to raise the cage with arms that suddenly appear from real the creepy, cane.
1: real creepy those erector set arms.
0: He's going full on, uh, 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 Carlos Robo Ooh, here. Yeah. Just sort of like, uh, like for a while, I was just a conventional thing with a face, but now I'm fully animate, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fantastic.
0: Um, yeah, in retaliation, Ditto smacks Kane against the wall and then Info dumps where he's been. Apparently, instead of dying, but when Barton tossed him under that train, he was instead cryogenically frozen yeah, until yeah. medical science found a cure for being tossed under a train, <laughs> which was last year.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, you so, know, it always-
0: took us a while, but we got there. Yeah, it always brings me back to that one Simpsons episode where they go to the future, and um, like Mr. Burns has been cryogenically frozen, and it says, "Oh yes, we'll unfreeze you once we've found the cure to seventeen stab wounds in the back." And there's a bunch of like doctors and stuff there, and they're like, "We're up to si- we're up to twelve! Hooray!"
1: <laughs> I, I remember that. Wasn't his body like also a, a majority just like uh, different types of of disease that had to be kept in perfect balance? That's a different episode. That's where he like went to the Mayo Clinic and yeah, they said that
0: he had a three stooges syndrome, which is basically um, if you imagine a door, a door frame, which is all the diseases trying to infect Mr. Burns, <laughs> all the germs kind of get stuck in the door like the three stooges. like, get out of the way, nyuck, 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 You know, and So, so he, genius. Adele, Mr. Burns take, took this to me that he's invincible when in fact his body's in a delicate balance. It could fail at any time. Also... I should mention that in that episode where they go where like where Mr. Birds is frozen, that one takes place in the future. That's like Lisa's wedding episode. Oh yeah. And I I believe in the show like it, it it was set like twenty years in the future from that web where that episode came out, which is actually like two thousand and five or oh, something. Oh God, like really? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like 2015 or something. But still, a time that is in the past from when we discuss this now. Oh, my um, God. I'm old. Sorry. Enough asides. Listen, it's this future this is future's a terrible hellscape bomb. You <laughs> all know it. Um, anyway, uh, buh, buh, buh. There's uh th- then some banter starts but ditto not but, but, but eventually ditto knocks Barton out with his own assistant Bix wakes up tied to a board to spin it over a vat of toxic chemical waste do. so poisonous that it turns everyone into monsters as we can see with Dan who's just shown up and admits that he answered Bix's adverts it's all co- it's all all <laughs> con- confluing together here oh, man. um just so much text yeah, it seems Dan only got minor exposure to the waste, but Steve Ditto intends to fully dump bakes in there, mutate him up. Next time, the
1: ugly, the ugly, and the ugly. I mean, this is. I I appreciate some things about this because I can't appreciate uh, necessarily the uh, the kind of you know cultural jokes. Uh, I mm. do like this evil genius stuff. Uh, was real good. Man, oh man, uh, this comic should just be called Information Dump because when it's not oh, jokes, yeah. it's a lot of people talking about things. I, but Definitely. part of what I like about that is that it it gets over quickly, like just keeps yeah, moving.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I agree. There's a lot to read, but like. I mean, I feel like when I first read this, I might have just sort of glazed over some of the info dumps, mm. you know? I mean, this is sort of a Milligan, sort of style, uh, Peter Milligan way of doing things and stuff like that. But I, I just feel like it, it has this kind of uh, uh, frenetic slapstick yeah. pace, you know? Well, well, that's what I like. Um, oh, sorry, please. Y- yeah. But I think that it also is trying to evoke... Like, I, I was really interested to learn that this was kind of a radio drama because this feels like that kind of mm. thing where, like, because it's radio and there's not – you can't show action, of course, because it's just voice. Mm. The idea of having having these info dumps makes sense because, you, you know, you, you, you can't explain things any other way, for instance, you know? Yeah, I like, see what you're putting down here. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, let's see okay. how this continues. Cause it could be me sort of ascribing a little bit of like intent to something that's that, 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 that's less good. But like, I do think it's interesting just in this, like, this could be Milligan trying to evoke yeah. like a different
1: like a, I, uh, a, a, a a a specific style of storytelling I, I for instance. I think you've got something there uh cuz I didn't immediately pick that up but it does feel like it makes sense. This is also not me pooping on this thing. It is the funny part of the comic which as of right now is very tedious. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I got to say sandwiched between
0: Chopper and Dread, this thing really like Calicans. <laughs> yeah, really kept thing kept the darkness at bay a little bit mm. in this month's uh, stories. For sure. Speaking of which, Fox, on that topic. Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, boy. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Will Simpson, learning about Tom Frame. We're continuing this tale
1: of the dead man story, Fox. And man, buckle your safety belts. Keep your arms and legs inside of the ride because this shit's going to get emotional. Yeah. Emotional. Uh Judge Dredd is running the is still running the evaluation of his clone
0: brother, uh C- cadet Kraken? Or like clone something. I don't know what how they'd term their relationship, you know. Uh, gene brother. I, we- yeah, bloodline member or something like that. Yeah. They arrive at the Alehickey Foundation where members of the Democratic fringe are holding hostages. The judges are negotiating, and it's not going well. Cadet Kraken takes over. <laughs> the uh the Democrats want pardons for the 900 or for the 99 people arrested at the democratic march and safe passage out of the city
1: one so of the judges put the on the rookie seat, on right like that seems like well, a good idea
0: it's very much their move to always put the rookie you know when there's a rookie evaluation the job is to have them sort of lead mm-hmm. and then the, and then experienced judges sort of sort of take you know um back them up and, and correct them if things go wrong basically right. Um, one of the judges the, on the scene is Judge Morph, the senior judge that did Dred's evaluation, and also the guy who suggested that Dred wear tight poot, t- yeah. tight boots a few years ago. But he's lost his mustache. Boo! Big time. Boo! Give me that stash. Uh, Kraken takes the megaphone and offers to trade himself for the hostages. He disarms and cuffs himself and walks into the building. The terrorists seem to go along with this, and outside, Dread tells Morph about Kraken's Jutta origin. Yeah. Inside the inside the building, the uh, the the guys beat
1: up Kraken, and now they're holding him hostage. Oh, geez! But I mean, would you really that- let like a fucking killing machine, a trained killing machine, in there, even if cuffed? I mean, so, like that is definitely a the discussion that these de- Democrats
0: yeah. have as he comes in. Um, kraken's thinking scheming he goads one of the terrorists into striking him and then uses the momentum from that attack to crash into another holding a gun and a hostage he grabs their gun and comes up shooting great action art from simpson oh, here as yeah. so we we see kraken just drop all these terrorists like with headshots as they try to uh, fight back or run the rest of the judges run in and the hostages are saved the judges. Uh,
1: cheer crack like they're watching Houdini or a movie or something. Which like Dredd is kind of like, what the fuck, guys? Like, keep it together. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, you know, shows some
0: prof- he like sort of is down in their professionalism. Dredd frees Kraken and warns him that not all Democrats are murderous terrorists. And while Kraken gets checked out,
1: Morph said that kid might even be better than Dredd. Man, the, especially before we jump to it, that color page really, I feel like, is the stark Contrast that they keep bringing up between him and Dread. He's just so much more ultra-violent. Yeah, there's this. Yeah, that that one
0: page with with mm. with Kraken in the middle, and then everybody, and then all the all the Democrats getting shot, sort of in shattered panels all around him. That's a really nice one. Mm. So uh, in the observation center, Judge Odell figures that's enough to convince Dredd that Kraken's good, but no nope. dice. They're continuing their patrol over a montage of law enforcement. Dread questions Kraken about the Jutta. Kraken says he was brainwashed by them, but when he came to Mega City One, he could feel the city and his destiny, not the way of Judd, which I think is kind of borne out a little bit if yeah. you remember that that, that Bloodline story yeah. where it, sort of sorry, a, newly, uh, ca- a newly
1: captured Judge Kraken sort of broke out and just kind of like drove through the city for a while. Well, and he had he, – it was even kind of in one of the thought boxes – where it was like, you know, he could feel electricity just kind of coursing through him, you know. Exactly. So I think that yeah. there, there is like this. Of course, you're you're not really sure about Kraken most of the time, but it does really feel like he's telling the truth in this case.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and we see sort of yeah his word boxes. He's choosing his words very carefully because mm. he wants to sort of say the right thing to impress Dread, basically. Um, they eat hotties and Dredd asks if he's just trade, and Dredd asks if Kraken's just traded one lie for another about Mega
1: City Which, One. Which, I mean, come on, man.
0: He asks Kraken to explain some of the atrocities that Mega City One currently commits, like tranquilizing whole cities of the whole sections of the population, or just to explain the fact that Mega City One has the highest prison population in the world, how they rewrite laws to arrest people without cause. And as he says this, we see the letter to Dredd in
1: the background. You know, Dredd, who's yeah. having his own questions about Mega City One, sort of working them out with Kraken here. It definitely posed, like, it, it feels like it's living sort of in both worlds of Dread grilling him to get the right answers and him kind of also meaning those things. It It was... It, yeah, it's Dread questioning himself about it as much as anything.
0: Yeah. Um, Kraken thinks it over and gives a careful answer. How judges are the thin line against chaos, and they're sort of phasing out some of those more draconian measures. Uh, dread probes for answers as we see more crime fighting, including the arrest of a pantomime alligator an <laughs> elephant. That's that's pretty funny. Just good city scenes by, by Simpson in here. Um, he dread keeps thinking like maybe he should just take the long walk and leave yeah. the city to Kraken to the young, you know. He reflects on the words of Judge Minty that when you start going soft and start seeing these uh, citizens as people who you can help instead of perps to arrest, it's time to quit. Could he do it? Could he just leave? Leave the city to Kraken? To, to, to but suddenly a call comes in. 99 Red. Judge in trouble. Fuck. They ride off as more info comes in. A judge is down. Judge Mor- Judge Morphy. They arrive on the scene in time for the, for Judge Morph to die in Dred's arms. And Kraken back aboard his bike says, "Leave him. You're wasting your time, old man. Let's get the creeps who did it."
1: It's just like it gets so emotional. Like with Dred's reaction, it was just fucking. This whole Absolutely. these next two progs are just so so good, man. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Kraken and Dread are in pursuit of a pair of judge killers. They get the info on the perps as the killers run through a crowded mall, like murdering civilians as they go. In Pursuit, Dread remembers his time as a cadet, which we ourselves are getting to see – oh, oh, sorry. I should say – here was his time um, as a cadet, which we 2080 readers are actually starting to see in like Free Comic Book Day and uh, Regine, they call them, episodes of um, 2080, which are like all ages basically issues of 2080. You know, good for kids and stuff and a lot of those feature – like a young cadet dread, like rolling through Mega City One and stuff like that. Well, that's you neat. Know. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll
1: see it someday, I guess. But <laughs> One, and with this, with this, they also do a little little bit of that with like showing it like the flashbacks bla- in blue. You know,
0: absolutely. Yeah, neat. we're definitely seeing seeing like. Especially Dread Shakedown Run with or his, his evaluation with Morph as like in the past in blue as we're seeing a more reddish or, or neutral colored uh, present where they where they're going after these guys. Also, I just I want to say again, I miss Morph's mustache. That would be so cool <laughs> and would make it easier to tell uh, to tell people
1: apart in the in the course of these stories. For the record, it, big time. Um, I actually had to go back and look him up just because I was like, wait, Morph. Uh like and then find that uh, like I, I he's referenced as the as the dude who gave him the boots idea. And then they mention yeah. it later before like so I, I could have just kept reading to get that in because it didn't didn't look like him. He looked like a much older man no. uh in the last. Yeah, comic. He's a, yeah, he's a much different looking
0: character. That, that previous one was by Ron Smith
1: and stuff. It's hmm. sort of an interesting
0: thing. Um yeah. Bummed that but bummed at the change for sure um Kraken takes down one of the shooters as Dread pursues another onto a zoom stop, which is you know subway here. He remembers saving Morph in the course of his eval, saying he's still a damn fine judge as he does so. In the present, Dread Dread tags the killer and he falls on the edge of the platform. Dread puts his boot on his chest as the man gives up, and he remembers the kind words that Morph gave him at the end of his eval. And really morphs like a father to him, or at least a father figure, you know? Yeah. Father figure mentor and stuff. The train is coming and Dredd is reluctant to let the man get up. Why should I let you live? Kraken arrives and calls to Dredd as the train rumbles in. Dredd's threatening the purpose. the train approaches. It seems like he's going to let him get hit over Dredd's objections. But he pulls the man away from the train just the last moment and passes him off to Kraken as he rides off. Dredd returns to Morph's body where the other judges are working the scene. It seems they've recovered 40 kilos of Stukey from the perps Mor- Morph was after. Dredd and another judge talk appreciatively of Morph over his body as Dred recalls the kind words the elder judge had for Kraken earlier in the day. The rookie rolls out with the two perps, sentences them to thirty years each, and approaches Dread as Dread, like, like you said, remembers the tight boots conversation he had with Morph back in Prague three eighty seven. I should say it's interesting because um, in last year's annuals, in the nineteen ninety annual, hmm. they reprinted all those stories. Oh, really? Um, that that story and the. Uh, uh, that that sort of block like question of judgment, error and judgment, case for treatment, mm. where Dredd talks to Morph and then sort of questions and there's sort of some questions of some choices he made and things like that. Which is a previous like like Dredd seems to be like having some 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 uh like problems with being a judge and the decision then was um to give him the toughest assignment of his life when they sent him to city to City of the Damned. Right. Know? Like it's a uh, it's a crazy time, basically. Oh, man, well, and it, but, it but serves as sort of, kind of like this but,
1: good refresher as they're going into this kind of storyline. Yeah, and so it's something that's coming back
0: up mm. as we sort of enter, you know, enter these enter the last period of this point leading up up to Dread taking a long walk. You know, um, Kraken confront. Um, sorry, oh, excuse me. Yeah, um, Kraken confront. Um, as he reflects on this, a body bag is zipped around Morph's tight boots, and he's taken away. <sighs> Kraken confronts Dredd, says he's over the line, and his personal feelings cl- clouded his judgment. You were a good judge once, but your time is over, old man. I mean, real chastising Which, the whole time. And a real counterpoint to Dredd saying that Morph was still a good judge at the end of his evaluation, mm. you'll notice. Kraken walks off as Dredd reflects on his lost mentor. He says goodbye and then tells Odell that Kraken's assessment is over. Oof. Next time
1: on Judge Dread, loose ends. Oh, man. I, like, as I told you, like, right before we started recording, I saved this to last. Yeah. Uh, like, I read everything else before I read Dredd. And, oh, man. I mean, this whole story is getting real, real intense. Uh, real emotional. I'm really loving it. And I'm, I just like how they're showing them both reacting to things or how they kind of highlight Kraken's violence versus, uh, Joe's kind of like more subdued take on things. That is Mm -hmm. like, it's just like each page has these very interesting juxtapositions and intense, like just things going on, um, like you can sort of feel the building tension that's coming mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think you know
0: honestly like i'm really impressed by basically all of this uh necropolis run up run up stuff mm. this has really been some really great like uh things that like 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 deep character driven moments for for this dread character yeah. that i think we haven't really had the past but i think sets a sets a high standard for stories going forward you know yeah exactly um, like we're sort of we're we're getting we're, we're we're like two episodes from Necropolis now. Um, we're gonna do some more of this dead man stuff and then other things next episode. And oh, I'm just so excited for all of it. This is just this great stuff and just what happens at the end of this evaluation and stuff. Ooh, it's good, oh, ah! man.
1: <laughs> very very ready for it. Oh, very excited. All, all right. Fuck, it's gonna well, be great. that's got me fucking all right. Cool. I'm Definitely, already just yeah. loving this story. I mean, the fucking reveal with with Deadman was was just such a fucking. One.
0: Yeah, just doing all this knowing that Dred's about to take the long yeah. walk and all these things building up to it is really is really neat. And speaking of uh, cl- of a of a of a uh, epics blowing out, getting blown out, Fox or something. I don't know. Thrill for
1: slay Oh hell
0: yes scripture about Pat Mills, art about Simon Bisley, letter you know about Steve Potter. Just one slain here the Horn mm-hmm. God volume 2 part 10. Jesus. There's a credits page with another sort of sci-fi barbarian going on here. Um these sections are very much just what it seemed like, whatever, just what Bisley's uh, doodling at the time. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the Time Beyond Time Fox, where Ucko's writing this story, the aging dwarf asks next for a break as he's about to go to the big battle scenes and the climax of the story. And he's also got plans to get drunk with the tongue collector. So, like, you know, could I just, like, knock off early? And. <laughs> <laughs> Instead Ness suggests praying to Agmios, the god of literature, for guidance and stuff. Man, I love this whole how this whole thing plays out. Uko <laughs> complies, asking the god to write a chapter or two for him, and his prayers are answered, kind of. the ink, the ink brush animates and spells uh so off, which I'm assuming means sawed off. Um anyway, Uko has to go back to writing it. I got to say, Fox, I'm in the process of writing all the recaps for our currently upcoming, but will be over by the time this episode comes out, uh, Big Star Lord-a-thon. Oh, hell and yeah. The pro- concept of having 24 recaps ready for that thing oh. has definitely got me got me praying to Agamos and asking him to share some of this load. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hope everybody enjoyed that. This is like our first episode we're recording after I finalized the plans hell for Hell so yeah, whatever. baby. Dating these episodes. Um. Anyway, okay, yeah, so the final battle is beginning from the south come the Druun lords with skull swords, soldiers led by the old horn god, the lord weird Slough Fag and his priestess Mave. They're allied with the Fomorian sea demons from the north led by Baylor of the evil eye. And that eye is a freaking laser or Man, something.
1: Whoa. Laser eyes always a fucking cool addition to any armament. Yeah, 100%. In the middle are the
0: tribes of the Earth Goddess, of course, led by High King Slain. In the frozen water of the Inner Sea, which is in the middle of, the, of where the Irish Sea is today, they muster, and as is tradition, the last one to arrive is executed for good luck. Their severed head held high for the goddess. Keep this detail of of a, of a Celtic society in mind for later. Okay. The great battle that will decide the fate of the land of
1: the young is about to begin in the Horde God Book 3. Pretty rad. I'm excited for it. Looking looking Me forward to, to some battles, some good setup here, some real like five armies stuff going on. Absolutely. I have just everybody massing in their thousands
0: to fight these guys. It'll come in July of this year, about nine <laughs> episodes from now, including specials and annuals. Who doesn't love a good mustering? Yeah, man. Listen, get that uh,
1: spicy brown mustard. You know it's solid. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm more of, a, you know, just more kind of Dijon, of, man. Yeah, you know, I like, I like a, a sweet hot uh, mustard. You know, plain yellow mustard. Nah. Anyway,
0: <laughs> let's. Uh, I, I, enough of this frivolity, Fox. Let's get down to business. Oh God, with non thrills, covers and nerve centers. Prague six six four. A rare word wordless cover by Cliff Robinson, just showing Dread standing behind a giant judicial eagle podium kind of thing.
1: Really, uh, really, do you need an eagle that big? Feel like uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Feel like it's Obviously. compensation.
0: Mm-mm. big eagle. Um, I like that Robinson draws kind of an an old Dread, I guess. Like he's kind yeah. of wizened a little bit, and that and, and that works with this storyline. Got this, that uh, grand torino look, one. you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that that that's a good way of putting it yeah um in the nerve center it seems stark has run out of tcvs that's thrill containment vessels Oof. or prog-sized binders as to use as rewards for letters and fan art so he's moving to thrill power display units which are metal badges with the 2080 logo there's pictures of a weird melty judge john cleese and a mid-height surfer, Ukko's going for the
1: gold.
0: Love that surfboard. Skulls everywhere. Totally. Letters theorize that Judge Dredd is the dead man. Pra- there's praise for Zenith before the writer becomes Ligo- uh, Gore possessed. And a reader was shocked by Slain apparently falling for Megrim. And like, geez, man, like, <laughs> let the story
1: play out here, you know? Come on. Really? Just to, to hold your horse. I mean, I was a little bit surprised, but you know, the reveal was not surprising. I mean, they the next issue they said it was a fake. It was a fake out. <laughs> I hated
0: that. I wish they they'd done that. Whatever we talked about it at the time. Mm. Um, Mid prog there's several house ads for 2000 AD, including one where, sh- where one where Thargus showing off 2000 BC to a bunch of impressed Egyptians. Uh. And- The prog ends with a pinup of Bix Barton driving around in a sweet hover car by Jim McCarthy. Love hover cars, man. Never get old. Totally. Nah, man. Wheels are for suckers. Prog 665. (laughs) Colin McNeil draws a beaten, bloody, and just plain tired-looking shopper Super Surf 11. The end. It's looking beautiful, man. Definitely love McNeil's work here. Mm. Um. In the Nerve Center, Tharg announces the start of Zippy Couriers so and the return of Beyond Zero, as well as the end of Chopper. There's a picture of Judge Ronnie Corbett of the Two Ronnies TV show and a logo for 3,000 – it's a TV show, BBC show, I don't know um, – and a logo for
1: 3,000 AD. The future is now. <laughs> <laughs> or at least in, in the year 3,000.
0: Yeah, definitely. The year 3,000
1: in the year 2525 if man is still alive etc. Ooh Cleopatra. Uh, anyway,
0: uh beautiful.
1: Letters ask when Johnny Alpha first appeared? Hmm. There's any more
0: plans for if there's more plans for more DR and Quinch and Ugh. worry that 2000 AD is
1: selling poorly in Belgium. Man, the answer that he gave for DR and Quinch uh, really hurt my hurt my circuits. Not coming back, buddy. Oh, fuck. I'll mention
0: that uh, AD sales in general are getting a bit soft here in 1990. Even mm. more about that in coming years. Uh, Midprog is a full ad for Troubled Souls, which was originally published in AD's like more grown-up sister comic Crisis. It's about IRA stuff by Garth and John and, and John McRae. Um, listen, definitely more complicated than that, but yeah. uh, that's all I'm, I'm gonna get into here. Um, there's another ad after that. Remember the Harlem Heroes, Fox? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. well, fuck you, because we got new extreme ones. <laughs> yeah, most of them are white. What of it? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the prog ends with a star scan of Judge Anderson by Dave Dantikey, showing her O face and seems to involve <laughs> eye beams. Good times. Well, Wow. Prog 666, the Prog of the Beast! It's
1: the Prog of the Beast!
0: <laughs> Continuing our trend of lower no text covers, Dave Hind, leader of Moto and Mambo, Fame slash Infamy, does a version of Andy Warhol's Marilyn M- M- Monroe pictures with mm. dread. We got eight dreads in different colors plus the 2008 AD e logo. In the nerve center, Thark says. It's less the number of the beast and more the number of the best. Uh,
1: oof. Oof.
0: Oof. <laughs> there's, there's a picture of a musical interlude with Ucko on guitar and De La Tharg. Mira, Mira, indeed. It's looking it's looking fantastic. Letters say that Gary Glitter is a source of thrill power and gets uh, snobbed for it in turn. You Ooh. know, not liking the right music. Um... There's, uh, there's compliments for Richard Dolan's Christmas cover. And Tharg says that, he, that, that Dolan's working on a Mean Machine story that it won't be out until next year, oh, I believe. Man, because that's he's, rad. Uh, he's apparently Cleveland-based. So there's just a lot of like time between like, sort of things being uh, sent yeah. over and stuff like that. Pre-internet days. Mm. The, the remaining pair of letters are trying to puzzle out the cameos in Zenith and stumbling over some of the new guys as well as Big Ben. The prog ends with an ad for a new Statesman graphic novels, which basically – like Crisis is sort of going to go until the fall of 1991, but it seems like it's transitioning to a new format. So many okay. of these original stories are being repackaged as graphic novels, it seems like. Okay. Okay. So getting getting yeah. some money's worth, exactly. i trying to. I mean, I feel like this, like 1990s, really feeling like the point where graphic novels are starting to be a thing that's selling. You know, yeah, especially for more like grown-up comics. I guess. I mean, Slaying the Horned God certainly an example of this, but I feel even stuff like I don't know, like like Mouse or Love and Rockets and stuff like that by 1990, you're, we're really starting to enter like. Fairly mainstream appeal, I guess, mm. um, or just, I don't know, among, you know, ma- mainstream nerd is what I'm trying to say, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Anyway, Prog667, it's a teen beat as 2000AD is 13 today as Thargan Roxilla groove out on bongos and a cover by Steve Cook. And I believe this title 13 Today is a reference to the Cliff Richard song 21 Today, which we'll also remember was made into a pun about the sniveling evil inmate 21 Toadie from Harry 20 on the High Rock. Uh, man, died. Yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, listen, it was a while ago. It's fine. In the nerve center, Thargus, happy that his mighty organ is now a teenager, and there's a picture of a not-so-ugly Hans Christian Anderson. You know, oh. it's kind of a duck lady, I guess. Uh, yeah.
1: Sort of kind of the reference
0: the... to the ugly duckly story. Yeah, yeah. Howard the Duckish. Yeah, it reminds me of that lady that married the, uh, the, the, the uh, King of England in that one Strontium dog story, for instance. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, that was a cute story. Vera Duckworth. Oh, yes. God. All right. There's also
1: one that's the picture of the ballad oh. of Jessica Rabbit uh, Jones. If, I mean, I got to reserve any like most of my comments. I just didn't think she could get more fantastic. But apparently, Jessica Rabbit just can get more fantastic. She's not going out. She's just drawn that way. There's <laughs> <laughs> letters from an
0: angry Donovan fan. And I like okay. that their name is written instead of Earthlet as a Donovanette. A reader threatens to use advanced, uh, um, advanced computers to reconstruct Red's face from the burned dead man's face. Uh, okay, and there are compliments about many of these new stories. But why isn't Bradley hanging out with my favorite band, Scorpio Rising? Huh? Uh. Scorpio Rising. Uh. Mid prog there's like birthday contest. Basically, fifteen people can win a copy of a VHS tape of the 10 years of 2080 documentary. Oh, neat. It's a pretty cool video. It's on YouTube, I believe, hosted oh, really? by a friend of the show, John Burtis. Yeah, it's like 45 minutes longer. or so. Can you shoot I think.
1: that to me after the show?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of interviews with creators and stuff. And honestly, I think almost the entire text of the video is transcribed into uh, essential 2080 history book thrill power overload. There's a lot Ooh. of like Alan Moore said in the 10 years of 2080 documentary that this happened, you know. Um, the back page has ads for another Crisis Collection, New Statesman this time. Um, and also there's an ad for a, uh, a, the Atomics comic shop in Essex.
1: Yeah. And, Im- and an image of Armored Gideon coming soon. Looking uh, looking uh, real awesome. Like this robot. Bi- yeah. Big,
0: cool robot. Yeah. Um, the prog ends with another comic book VHS tape, this time for Holy Batmania, a documentary about the Caped Crusader, of course, rushed to production to capitalize on the popularity of the movie. Oh, you know? my God.
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't want to damn myself. I'm not the biggest Batman fan. It's
0: like I – this video is on YouTube as well. And it's funny because it's very much like it, – it's so funny to think of a time where Batman was primarily defined by the uh, Bruce Wayne – or, or by the Adam West TV show. You know? Oh, oh yeah, that's interesting. Like it's so funny. We've got all these dark and like I. I feel like nowadays, if it's anything, it's like the Batman cartoon or something like that. That that sort of oh yeah, the animated series. Batman. Yeah, yeah, the animated series. Or some of the other movies and stuff like that. Mm. But back then, you know, the the, the eight the, the regular movie had just come out. If you if when
1: people think about Batman, they think about that TV show that's on in the middle of the day. Yeah, you know? where all the bad guys were living in the same house with their cleverly themed rooms. Man, I want to live in a house full of fellow supervillains. Right? That'd be awesome, right? And speaking of supervillains, Fox. Oh yeah, baby. Thrill five beyond zero. My boy with the metal
0: arm is back. That's right, Tanner. A uh, scriptor about John Brosnan and an about Kev Hopgood learning about Jack Potter. Tanner's back. We last saw this one-armed cyber cabby when he was, he was returning to his home, the domed Zero City, along with his partners in adventure – or his party of adventurers and a warblin full of sky pirates. <laughs> that was – Man, this is such a great setup. In late 89. Um, now they've taken control of the dome and are threatening the evil crime boss Nemo. Tanner and his buds will take the city apart unless Nemo presents himself for a one-on-one showdown. Naturally, Nemo instead double-crosses, tries to double-cross and contacts Dolly, the cyborg club owner, and Tanner's former, uh, like, army squad sergeant,
1: mm-hmm. who is also his top goon. And she goes to nag Alara, Tanner's girlfriend, from the previous Zero story. I love the, the detail that the one panel where she's in Club H2O, it is still raining. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's what too. makes it cool. Exactly. Yeah, good good. Uh, uh,
0: re- recall of these locations and stuff. Mm. But when Dolly does show she's confronted by a robot assassin with the personality of a feminist terrorist, Priya, who comes up with a katana, cuts off Dolly's cyber arm, and punches her out. Oh, this is all part of the plan. So rad. So rad. Definitely. Everyone's soon you've reunited Though Alara is instantly jealous of Adoria, the lady from the uh, feminist commune—I mean, that, like a uh, city-state that's based itself on the feminist writings
1: of said dead. robot lady—yeah,
0: of said robot lady. And we met the real version of it, who had turned into a sky pirate warlord. You know, and I'd it's be one more of those. jealous
1: of of uh, Robo Awesome. Just uh, why am I forgetting her name? Priya, Priya, like just uh, given the banter that or Risa, Priya, yeah, yeah, I I guess Risa. uh, uh, Oh yeah, 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 is is her name right? So so, like they just her and and Tanner have like such banter. It's like well, you know, yeah, but like you know, she's a robot. (laughs) Yeah, she's. I mean, you know, love love blossoms on on the battlefield. (laughs) Snake,
0: gross. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh. Lady bickering is ensuing, of course. Um, When Nemo learns his plans have failed, he seems to give himself up, arriving at the dome base. But uh, Risa smells a rat and a a rat bot, that is, because Nemo's a robot! Oh, man. I love that his head keeps talking after she beheads him. Yeah. He's not just a robot, Fox. He's a robot full of plastic explosives. He's a bomb bot in a last ditch move gut eight grabs nemo who's a who's a genetically engineered super soldier just fyi the eight in his name is part of a larger serial number he grabs nemo's body and runs getting the bomb away from everybody else but not far enough away from himself and he's caught in the explosion
1: oh no man gut eight should not i'm so i'm sad that he's dead me too (sighs) because he was such a great fucking character just a big strongman. Um, he, he's dead. He clearly did it for Adoria, but she's
0: quick to say, as she has this entire story, uh. that she really <laughs> doesn't like gut eight.
1: Like, no, no way. Not, uh-uh. not even just like a little bit of he was all right. Uh, he just died. Look, I'm from a lesbian society that hates all men, but I really hate this guy. <sighs> That's, uh. I <fine> mean, fair. <laughs>
0: the uh, the robot nemo head talks keeps talking tough and Tanner breaks it with his hands back in the sewers the real nemo has
1: his clones prepare a sweet battle suit for him as the defenses are set up and this is so wolfenstein 2 you know what i mean or even ca- like escape from castle, castle wolfenstein had yeah. that shit
0: back in the sewers the real tan uh sorry um blah blah, blah. but he, as they're being prepared, Tanner himself comes out of the sewer water getting the drop on Nemo Ugh. and he's got his friends with him so great as the remaining party members take on Nemo and his top and his top goons, the rest of the sky pirates are coming through the regular tunnels. Nemo manages to get a hit on Tanner and ejects from his power from his power armor, running uh, quickly, running to a Zodiac boat and gunning it down the tunnels. Man, the sewer chase, chase, sewer chase, sewer, sewer chase. chase, woo! But they 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 give chase, but are soon stopped by a spiked gate that Nemo raises. Oh geez. I really like that. A Riser calls out this very Batman type situation <laughs> with a, the a guy getting away at the end and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, not really. As a giant worm with a tentacle mouth pops out of the sewer, and as a D&D guy, I'd call it a carrion crawler if you're trying to define Ooh. what kind of monsters these things are, it grabs Nemo and eats him whole. Were these set up before, and I'm just forgetting? We've seen some kind of monsters in the course of these um, sewer adventures, okay. I, I believe. Anyway, I live by the sewer, die by the sewer, buddy. <laughs> um, epilogue time. <laughs> Raisa and Adoria prepare to head out. is going to travel the earth, righting wrongs like Cain and Kung Fu, but like Cain and Kung Fu with a blimp full of Sky Pirates. <sighs> so much <And> better. <laughs> Tanner's welcome in Minerva anytime. And oh.
1: here's a kiss to prove it.
0: Now is even more jealous. That lady from lesbian towns <laughs> trying to steal my man.
1: Oh, man. Tanner, you goon. <laughs> the ladies head out, and that's it for Beyond Zero. Hooray. I mean, but below zero is coming. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I really wish we'd finished the story in '89 if it'd been one cohesive story yeah, instead of being cut up. I definitely like feel this. the like, same. It definitely chopped up like kind of the action. We got two progs worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. This is th- this is a bad way to end this story for
0: sure. But yeah, like you said. um, you know, I'm glad we actually did get the end and it wasn't just binned or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like you said, Tanner will return for beyond zero or for below zero, I should say, in 1991.
1: Oh, that's a ways off. little ways off. You know, we got other things on our plate. Oh, sure. You know, I'm just glad he's of, not gone because I, I do love these like, zero stories. So yeah, far, so too, great. It's a,
0: yeah, it's a bummer. I think only the first one's been collected, or definitely like 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 below zero hasn't been. I'd love to see a nice like uh beyond like a zero city collection. I'm be pretty surprised problem, by
1: that. I, is is below th- zero the kind of last of the zero series? Do you know? I forget off the top of my head. I th- I I think it might
0: be. Let me take a gander. This is why Barney's so important. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd just be making it up. God bless the librarians at Barney. Oh, that's not the right one that I want.
1: Night zero. Uh, yeah, below zero is the last one. Well, that's, okay, so it's really odd that they don't collect it then.
0: Yeah, I mean, hmm. well, I mean, yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, only the first one's been collected, and I think it's just, or no, I, I, I guess parts of Beyond Zero has been collected as
1: well. That's weird. Yeah, but um, maybe it just isn't. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, I th- maybe there's some fallout with Brosnan, or just like you know, this is sort of. This is one of these, like, we're we're getting into this era where things aren't well remembered, you know? That's fair. And increasingly, we're going to have stories where if it's not Judge Dredd, it hasn't been collected just because, you know, we're past sort of the classic era where everything gets picked up. Time to mine for gold, buddy. It means we can find some of these hidden gems, friend. Lovely, 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 lovely. Yeah, let's go to some more possible gems mm-hmm. with Thrill Six
1: Zippy Couriers. Oh man, complicated this one.
0: Yeah, script about Hillary Robinson, Art about Graham Higgins, letter about Steve Potter.
1: Zippy Couriers back and in color. Looking looking fresh, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um are the phone rings at Zippy Couriers office. It's picked up by cat alien thingamajig <laughs> Butch. Love Butch. Um I don't not a confirmed alien just implied. Um, using just the, uh, the phone part of the video phone, of course. The client wants a gift delivered to his wife, and Butch takes the details. Later, pilot Shauna McCullough picks up the gift from the extremely fancy store and uh, goes to deliver it. As a ton of future cops, as she leaves, like a, a ton of future cops arrive at the place and start raiding it just as she flies off. As she's driving, some cops pull her over, force her to land, and she's exiting the ship when a, when a cop puts, the, puts a gun against her head. And we're in a tough section here because, like, you know, in real life, we're in the middle of these uh, global protests over police brutality and things like that.
1: Um, So it sort of makes this story feel very, very current. It definitely had a double impact, especially given, uh, like, what happens and where we leave off in 667, man. Yeah, definitely. Still holding their guns on her, the cops make Shawna identify herself,
0: open the package she's delivering, and then unzip the mouth of the stuffed animal within. The cops want to ask a few questions, and we cut to the next day as Moira and Genghis check on Butch, who's been up all night waiting for word of Shauna's return. Suddenly, she does return. The team rushes out to meet her. Wherever she's been, she wouldn't care to go back, and she's
1: been very clearly been <sighs> through the ringer, Scott. Like, yeah. very beat up complicated and stuff. feelings on this one, man. It's like uh, not not comfortable. Nah, not good. Shauna's mind is blank as she drinks coffee, and the rest of the team
0: asks what happened. She can't remember, but Butch is able to identify that she's been dosed by both a uh, police truth drug and a memory inhibitor. Even if she can't remember what happened, she's clearly been through a lot. And Butch has Moira take uh, Shauna home in a taxi, and Butch gets the driver gets in the driver's face when he worries about Shauna oh, getting sick yeah. in his cab. Back at base, Butch enlists Moira's boyfriend, Genghis, to pick up a, I I should say Moira's Shauna's sister, for the record, Mm. Um, but gets Moira's girlfriend, Genghis, to pick up a replacement present and deliver it, while he doesn't inspire much confidence when he douses himself with coffee by accident, (laughs) Butch doesn't have much of a choice, so he flies out. Be careful!
1: Next time, get unstuffed. Man, dude, it's just like i am sure that this is like some kind of cop plot going on or at least i hope so but l- just every single time they draw her looking weary or or like when the first reveal where she's looking just real not okay uh it it hits you man hits you in the feels that like some people did some fucked up shit to this like poor woman um, yeah i mean she she's clearly had a, had an extremely ex-
0: um traumatic experience with the uh with, with the police force and you know didn't do anything wrong she just picked up a uh picked up a delivery yeah, and exactly. was like you know they just sort of like yeah like like threatened her and put her through the ringer and stuff like that that's just real like not cool <sighs> you know fucking strong agree yeah and it's just one of these <sighs> things that i think it, yeah in light of our current of the current events we're in as we're recording this show really uh uh hits home in a in, in an important way and i think it's one of the you know is one of these things that i like sometimes with 2000 AD where we have stories that even though they're written like 30 years ago suddenly topical yeah still remain topical and interesting And i think that's the sign of a well written story you yeah. know that it can be these um yeah that we can get these stories that are sort of timeless in a way yeah, timeless and that don't sort of like like link themselves to, a, pati- to a, a particular moment and stuff like that. Exactly. On the other hand, Thrill Seven Bradley.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Script robot Alan Macabre. Art robot Simon Hagardress. Slatter robot Gordon Gruesome. And while I appreciate alternate names in comics credits. <laughs> ooh, I don't know about this one. Uh, yeah. Um, Sci-Fi Progs Bradley Milton, and Annabella have traveled to 1990 to find some modern original blues music for Bradley's brand pappy back in the future. And to that end, they're pretending to be music journalists and are, and are interviewing the band Sisters of Mercy. Are you familiar with Sisters of Mercy, Fox?
1: <laughs> Is that a no?
0: All right. Oh Eric no, Goffman, sorry, for-
1: I, I lost you. Oh, I like oh, you sorry. cut out Our- in a big way, and I try. I was trying not to interrupt.
0: Oh, sorry. Are you familiar with the band Sisters of Mercy Fox?
1: Nope. You know they're a goth band? Got a lot of that sort of like
0: uh, guitar rock. Like, and then we're all sadness. Nope. That
1: kind of stuff. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. Just nope. Fair enough. Um, They aren't my thing. They're fine. Come on. Whatever. I don't hate um, music, man. That's way too much energy.
0: <laughs> the, the Sprogs are talking to... Uh, Frontman Andrew Eldritch and Patricia Morrison, though through my reading, tells me at this point she was actually already out of the band, so that's how these kind of things go. Mm. Um it seems there's a bunch
1: of other kids with them as well that all have silly names, like very Hobbit vibe, if you get my that's meaning. That's weird. Horseface um, is not a name that I would ascribe to anyone that I know. Mm, Eldritch is famously stone faced, and this comic is full of little
0: asides and margin notes making fun of him, telling him to relax. Telling Patricia to get a haircut, things like that. Sure. Uh, Bradley asks some questions about music stuff as Milton and Andrew get into some kind of uh, staring contest that ends with Milton getting a face full of spaghetti. When Bradley asks how gothic rock relates to the blues, he gets tossed out. But at least he's managed to steal Patricia's pet lizard, which the, pretty cool looking, I guess. Fair enough, yeah. The story ends with a silly photo of Andrew Eldridge and a lot of graffiti tags telling anti-conservative jokes as Bradley Cackle uh, is a cracking wise as well. Um, this one <sighs> feels better than the last one because Mackenzie does seem to respect this band. So they're sort of like they're in on making the jokes and stuff sure. like that. And, you know, the, uh, the jokes about like um, – people's appearances and stuff seem more good-natured like, like 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 he's in on the joke yeah as opposed to just kind as opposed to the weird stuff with um
1: brass and that dude from last time whose name i've already got donovan I, I, yeah, I, there's donovan. just something about the whole thing that it's just not it doesn't grab me all that much it's like yeah eh, this, nah. this thing's full of in jokes and references
0: that make it feel very opaque to me as well yeah Like, you know, it's definitely one of these things where I ended up getting it, but it did require having the Wikipedia page open to kind of get the story, you know. (laughs) But uh, speaking of returning stories, Fox. Oh, man. Got a couple of those. Excited. Yeah, let's do a twofer, starting with
1: Thrill 8, Rogue Trooper. Still looking fucking beautiful.
0: Yeah, script robot Dave Gibbons, art about Will Simpson, later about Bambos, Georgia. Simpson getting a, a fair amount of work this prog- yeah. this, uh, this episode, actually, between this and Dread. Uh, the War Machine sh- story is back, and it seems editorial really likes that credit page for big prestige mm. series. Like, they've been doing it for Slain, and I'd imagine it's one of these things where they kind of like to do it so they can then print the thing in a big prestige a collection that doesn't have like a logo and a credits page every few pages, basically. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, and just kind of keep people up to date and stuff like that. So we resume this tale at part five with a credits page and a brief recap. But, you know, basically, this guy Friday, he's a ch- genetic infantryman His buddies, he he and his buddies are supposed to hold this hill, but two have died and given them their gear along with the rest of the most of the other troops. Uh, Yeah, it's not looking great. Presumably, he'll get a backpack soon enough. (laughs) Um, And so we get to the action. A new wave of enemies comes this time. Big, stupid, early versions of genetic infantrymen. They're dumb, but there's a lot of them, basically. They just have Uh, so many guns. They have a chainsaw on their back. Definitely. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Friday with his buddy Top's command helmet calls high side for reinforcements, but there's no answer as the battle rages with, again, more of these amazing full page color Mm. paintings by Will Simpson. Like you said, chainsaws are involved as Friday fights, kills, and reflects on his own nature for a bit. Eventually, all the fighting ends and we see one of Friday's buddies uh, drops a deck of cards. It seems to be just down to Friday and him. And he says that Friday doesn't play the game of life like everybody else. And then he dies as well. (laughs) Conrad here. When we originally recorded this, we didn't mention that there's a lettering error on two pages of this part of the War Machine story, where they had their narration box and word bubbles on the opposite page. I'll tell you that this part of the story is so full of inner monologue, and in the end the speech bubble is directed at a pile of corpses, so pretty much works actually i definitely though wanted to mention it that this error happened in the progs so that's on record and now back to the show
1: and then it's just a lot of sweeping vistas and and fucking carnage and reflections on stuff it's just
0: friday now abandoned by his friends the enemy and his commanders he realizes the people of Highside don't care about him or his dead brothers. He questions himself and wonders and cries for his dead brothers. Uh, that he hears it from Highside. Rico, Rico, <sighs> bastards. Next time on Rogue Trooper: The Long March. Yeah, they're bad guys, buddy. Good times.
1: You know, I'm I'm really liking this new kind of direction. I'm hoping they they kind of keep this this kind of uh like dark momentum i suppose
0: yeah i mean it is a it I, I think it is accomplishing something that we sort of often complained about the original rogue trooper having trouble doing which is this sort of war is hell concept yeah. you know, of like yeah like you know fighting and then feeling bad about fighting and killing people well, and, and, stuff and like that. showing you the fallout of war you know what i mean like exactly it, yeah this very much f- feels a piece of like chopper as well oh, that yeah. like you know this violence and stuff isn't glorious it's sort of uh it's a it's a problem it's a good way to use it yeah let's start another
1: big story here fox oh man
0: <sighs>
1: through nine Zedith. god this thing just hit me immediately in the feels absolutely yeah oh,
0: script <laughs> robot grant morrison art robot steve Yo, letting robot gordon robs gordon kid robson so we're picking up from last episode, Fox. Oh yeah. With the super people, Mantra and Peter Sinjin, aka Mandala, are confronting the insane super being yeah. maxi man on his base on Axis Monday, Alternative 23. And there's a something tells okay. me they don't really see eye to eye. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you totally taken me out of my joke. I was gonna say oh. there's a maxi to his madness. Oh, <laughs> 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 nah, much better. Um, <laughs> and also that his madness, in fact, seems pretty method-free. Oh. But basically, the Loigor, these interdimensional Cthulhu-esque beings have offered him a place in their ranks and he means to join them and kill all humans as you do. At the same time, an alternative two thirty home reality of Mandala and title character Zenith, a Lloyd Gore possessed superhuman is insulting Big Ben, Fuck. the super dude who we met before, loosely no. based on on Desperate Dan, calling him fat and a failure. Fuck for that it's guy! Just real, don't care for it. Um, ben goes to disarm the chronostructor this bomb that's threatening reality uh reality but he's hit by some kind of force field or something when he does well they he, he fucking fries him i guess yeah it seems like he seems pretty yeah like his face is pretty messed up it seems like the loygor goes to escape by einstein rosen bridge as the other superheroes on the assault team arrive but as he goes, a dying Ben grabs the evil being by the ankle and keeps him in place as the other superheroes con- as other superheroes approach him and just kill the heck out of him and, just I off I mean, screen, let me basically. tell you,
1: if Big Ben's got a hold of you, you ain't going nowhere. And I mm-hmm. swear to God, Conrad, like, I'm so upset because I like him so much. Yeah, me too. I like Big Ben. You know, I mean, that
0: honestly, like... Listen the, something I want to I talk a lot about next episode, Fox, is um how this story relates to big crossover um like events in mm-hmm. comic books, because this feels very much like a supergirl style um s-
1: s- a beloved character oh, yeah. has to die in the, yeah.
0: in, the, in the course of this story. <laughs> so you know well what's nuts is, uh, like it, you're
1: just meeting them only for the first time ever in this story, you know.
0: Yeah, but I feel like they have done a good job of making us feel sorry for Big Ben in the course of this tale. About everybody in a way. It's been fucking great. And so when he sacrifices himself, you do kind of feel sadness for this character who, let's face it, like we have sort of only briefly met. And most of the time that we've met him, he's been insulted by (laughs) by sadness. Yeah, fuck that guy. Ah, Zenith, who, who doesn't seem to have a speaking line in this episode. Who doesn't seem to be helping out at all. Mm-mm. So, um, So Ben seems to die as the other heroes contemplate jumping through the Loigors ERB, Einstein Rosenbridge. Back in Alternative <laughs> 23, Mantra tries to reason with Maxie Man. A lot of M's in this showdown who accuses... um. Who accuses Mantra of laughing at Jimmy Page and his stairway to heaven, oh, Fox?
1: My God. You never. What? Don't
0: have road! Even as he does this. Even at, he says this even as Maxi prepares to ascend to point Zenith or whatever, Mantra finally realizes he's insane. But as Ugh. she does, he reaches out and just pokes and pokes out with his left index finger and reaches and lifts her up by her eye socket with this finger, very, ca- just murdering <sighs> her very casually. It is big time bad guy move, super gross. Definitely, like the fact that, like, he does, he, like, Jams a finger in her eye and his like palm is up. So yeah. it just seems like a very, it seems so casual the way he does this. And obviously just um,
1: not in the strongest position, but it's completely effortless. Yeah. He tosses Mantra away like she's nothing. Her body skidding to Ma- or, uh, skidding to Mandala's feet, leaving a trail of blood from her eye socket. I mean, there's one thing I know about Mandala I'm pretty sure he can rock just about near anybody. mantra and Mandala stare down. It's just the two of them in a showdown. Next time, Mastermind. Ugh. Interested to see where this goes, man. Uh, uh You know me. I, I love me some Zenith and uh, it, it continues yeah. to uh, impress as a very, well, it's a very great piece of quality work. Definitely. Yeah, very fun. I definitely
0: want to talk about like this, as it relates to big crossover superhero mm-hmm. events next time. Sounds good to me, and just some and just some general discussion of sort of yeah of, of what we've seen in the course of this one because it's going to end next episode, and um, it's got a <laughs> the ending of Zenith Book Three is real ridiculous. Okay, in and like just um, I think it's real weird, but also like I've got I've got a lot of thoughts about this one, so I'm I'm excited to to close out. All right, for sure. And speaking of closing out, Fox. Let's do this. Let's talk about Thrill 10 Future Jocks. Uh, Homestretch. Paris Space War stories, this
1: one. Yeah. For some reason. Not not entirely surprised. That's kind of, you know. It is, a, it is a frequent topic, for sure. Mm. Uh,
0: Script about Nicholas Barber. Art about Dave Dantakey Letter about Gordon Robson on the planet Bouchon, uh, Bouchon or Buchan. I don't know. The war rages on and on. Good war zone picks here by Dantaky for mm. sure. But this is a pretty basic future shock. Oh, uh, yeah. humans and aliens are fighting a war on a distant planet, so they don't fight it on their respective homeworlds. But everyone knows that once the war is decided, the losing side will just fire all their doomsday weapon at the other side anyway, and the other side will retaliate and everyone will be dead. So instead, they're purposefully fighting a stalemate quagmire over here to save their respective peoples. War is hell as always. Yep. No bad bad, bans. And then <laughs> Yeah, no, this this is sort of the way it is. Uh, Next one is The Mirror. Script robot, Heath Ackley. Art robot, Martin Griffiths. Letting robot, Annie Haffakry. This is the only story in the Prague by Heath Ackley. And the final one by Martin Griffiths, who who did another one uh, back in 628. So uh, more future war. Humans fighting three-eyed aliens. Not unlike the ones from Freaks, for the record. Uh, Remember that one? Uh, Milligan and Higgins, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, anyway, dude gets shot in the face, wakes up in the hospital. The war is over, and the two races have become allies instead. This guy is alive, but to survive, they have to graft half an alien o- uh, body onto him.
1: As his third eye opens, whoa! Usually, people have to meditate for that kind of thing, man. Three eyes is better than two. <laughs> Plus, he's got those fangs in his mouth now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's get that. You can buy,
0: get, eat, eat rare steak on one side of your mouth, you know? It's real good. Uh, I need, that I, shit I prefer
1: my, uh, excuse me, can you please tell the chef I'd like my steak cooked um, half raw and uh, half well? Ah, uh, yes, the old half and half. hmm <laughs> You can do it because it's the, we can do it because it's the future. Exactly. Make it dino meat. Fuck it.
0: Listen, I, yeah, well done on one side, raw on the other. I like to call that a black and blue, Fox. <laughs> Fantastic. Because like a real rare steak, it's called mm-hmm. blue steak. You mm-hmm. see what I'm talking about? Okay, anyway, enough of my terrible puns. Whew. I want to know instead what your top and bottom thrills are for February 1990. Oh, uh, man.
1: I mean, it is uh, like absolutely no contest. I will set aside all of kind of the... The one-offs are the two-offs that we've had um, thus far. Good nod to all of them. However, you know, things are starting up. I'm excited for Slain. I'm excited for uh, Rogue Trooper. I'm excited for Zenith. Uh, the real contest here is between Chopper and Dread, obviously. Mm-hmm. And while, man, oh, man, like, I feel like Dread is absolutely going to amp it up. It's going to, like, get there. And it's certainly, like, this building tension. I got to give it to Chopper it was so well executed for the, uh, you know, even though it was only, what, in two progs? um, Yeah. It really, it nails it as an ending (laughs) in a huge way. Um, I enjoyed it just a lot. Um, And it's not to say that that Dread is in any way, uh, like it's like just a hair um, that sort of makes the difference. Uh, I just really like... (sighs) My favorite shot in the entire thing is just the kind of pan out of the finish line. And, like, that's yeah. kind of the point and, like, everything that's been building to this. It's just super emotional, super beautiful. All of the artists, uh, like, they did, like, this whole thing does yeoman's work visually. Um, yeah, I just, I loved, I loved this comic, man. Now I have to give it up. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Uh, for bottom... Uh, I mean, I, so mm, I'm enjoying it. So please, everybody don't, don't crucify me yet, but I am going to put it as Bix Barton. It's a lot, it's a lot (laughs) to read. Uh, and you know, I mean, in a, in a highly visual, um, time in the comic, it, it can be distracting. I love it. I think it is hilarious and I just don't. I don't think I would put anything else necessarily at bottom. And it it's really just from lack of having something to immediately put there. Not gonna shame Future Shocks this month. They they were fine in and out. So that that's I that's I think where I'm gonna go with that. And Conrad, mm. you listen to me talk about all these fucking comic books. What I think about it. You know what I want to think? You know what I want? I want to know what were your top and bottom thrills. I, I will definitely join you with Chopper as
0: my top, buddy. Um I really like the story i really like the uh the commentary on violence in the comics and stuff Mm -hmm. i think that's a really interesting thing to do um you know just trying to tell kind of an of like a mature story in a way that's not just like blood and guts but also sort of like let's think about these blood and guts a little bit yeah Uh, like the you know ambiguous ending or like either just a straight up like sad ending or an ambiguous one are both really great um just and like a bold choice for these for this for this comic book, you absolutely. Know? And I just really thought it was really cool, and I really like the um, yeah, just chopper rolling out here, doing like shooting all these guys, being real cool. But again, you know, just that we saw the context, some of the consequences of this violence and things. I appreciated the attempts at like humor within the story as well of this very like this very sad, rough, like violent story. That there was still like funny sports narration <laughs> or other little things that just kind of like kept
1: the mood from being 100% dark, I think was well done well, it, as well. And fed into kind of the the desired outcome of how you're supposed to feel, right? Like it's yeah. funny, but, but soulless in a way that, that I think is like, yeah. it, it super helps. And I think just like the um, – and I really loved both the art and the writing
0: for Chopper's Delirium, uh, like at the end of the story mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, that that really paid off on the song line stuff we talked about mm-hmm. early in the, in the story and just kind of like created this more mystical sense of things that I, I like when sort of – I don't know, for a dying character, I think it's, it's kind of cool. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, great story. I, I really enjoyed it. This is like uh, – this uh, Song of the Surfer story is a really fun one. Um or really, I don't know. Interesting what, what, one that makes you think for sure. Um, for my bottom, it's gotta be Bradley, buddy. Oh come man. on,
1: my boy! Oh, this fucking should have one prog, That's enough. I'm happy to say it's Bradley. <laughs> I should. I don't I, care. I should have been less proud, my man, because you are you are on point with that correctedness. I mean, I'll say again that, like, especially. In these progs, where we've
0: got both chop, where like we're being moved to tears by Chopper mm. and Dread, like but 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 by by, by Chopper and Dread and Zenith, <laughs> you know. I mean, again yeah. and rogue and rogue trooper too, and you know as well that having Bradley be in and or um ha, or telling like a set or or like Zippy, even, yeah, like a story that is like that has this timelessness and this like emotionness to it, like you know just the the hurt that. Um, that Graham Higgins is able to draw in oh, Shauna's yeah. eyes, oh, for instance. Yeah. that kind of All that kind of stuff. We've got all that. And then we've got these bullshit kids <laughs> telling jokes about an extremely niche band
1: in an extremely 1989 setting. Well, and like Vic that- Barton just does a better job of being comedic, right?
0: Yeah. And then – yeah. And then – yeah. On, on the other hand, we've also got – A funny story that is like sort of trying to really like tell, you know, again, an attempt at like not just like here's a joke you'll get if you're in like October 1989 when I'm writing this comic, Mm. you know, or trying to develop a character that's not just uh, the things that I don't like are stupid (laughs) and I'm real cool. You know, strong agree. So, like, generally, yeah. Don't like, especially this formation of Bradley. I feel like there's some redeeming stuff with things that are sort of sending up, like children's car, like like a children's books and stuff. But this
1: music, Bradley, ooh, Man, we're not feel, into it. I feel like I got to change my choice at this point. You make a compelling nah, argument, buddy. I think you're in I there. think let's do solidarity. I think a full solidarity month because I, I don't, right, I don't, I, I don't want to punish bricks or.
0: Uh, I, I mean the counterpoint is that Bradley's only in one prog and Bix is in four. And a lot of times we've sort of poo-pooed. Yeah. Like especially giving bottom to something that that yeah. that's only in one prog. I'll
1: stick with like, it. Yeah, no, I'm there with you. I you know I, like, like I gotta stick not, I gotta stick with my morals here. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. It's one hundred
0: percent a cop out to pick Bradley. I'll certainly admit to that. Like, you know, whatever. Um, anyway oh geez that's a show thank you very much for listening as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play store spotify or on our podcast site spacespinner 2000com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter we're at space spinner 2k for everything else look up space spinner 2000 you'll find us there and come back next time as Dread and Kraken both make big choices Ooh. Zenith concludes Bradley goes gigging Ugh. And we'll see the debuts of both Armored Gideon and the Harlem Heroes reboot Awesome It's 1990 alright eh, It's up and down <laughs> Necropolis is two episodes away Oh fuck yeah Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox And we are Space Spinner 2000 Splunk